church. It's so good to be with you all in the church gardens this morning. And today I want to speak to you about the importance of water baptism. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon just on water baptism before. I never have. I've always just heard short teachings that precede a water baptism service. And so for many of us here today, we may not know how critical it is for believers to understand the importance and the priority of water baptism. And I guess today is a great day to speak about this, right? Firstly, because we're baptizing so many people from our church, but also because we're trusting that after the message today, people are going to come to know Christ for the first time, and many are going to understand for the first time why baptism and the importance of why they've been baptized. And maybe even some of you today will be so impacted by this truth that you will want to be baptized along with other people today. Who knows? Because what we're doing today, church, is, is so important. Baptism is something that Jesus commanded us to do in Matthew chapter 28, where he said, Go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You could say that baptism is as important as the Great Commission, because it's part of the Great Commission. And when it comes to baptism, God's word is very, very clear. As followers of Christ, after the decision to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we need to be baptized. And yet the fact is that there are still many believers, many Christians around the world, perhaps even some of you here today, who follow God, who love God, who go to church but have not ever been baptized before. And there may be a number of reasons why Christians haven't done this in their lives. For instance, probably the most obvious reason is that people don't understand the importance of water baptism. They haven't been taught what the Bible says about it. And so for them, it was never something that was ever a priority. I also think there's a lot of people who aren't baptized as believers because they were baptized as infants through some tradition that their family belonged to. And maybe they think they're turning their back on their heritage. Maybe they feel like they're going to dishonor their parents or their family traditions so they don't do it as a born-again believer. Another reason, truthfully, why people aren't baptized is because of pride. They've gone so long without being baptized that now for them to get baptized would be an admission or a public confession of a long-term disobedience. And yes, it would be a very humbling experience to say, you know what? I haven't done it yet, but now I'm going to make it happen. Or for some people, it may be because they're like, you know what? I just don't want people to see me wet. And can you imagine how my makeup and my hair is going to look when I come up out of the water? Have you seen me without makeup? And can you imagine how my figure will look when those wet clothes stick to my body? I'm just too embarrassed. <laughs> whatever reason a person may have, whatever excuse there may be, if you're a believer, baptism is a command. It's not an option. It's not something you do when you feel ready. It's something you do when you've been saved and you do it as soon as possible. Because as we'll see through the message, church, baptism is the first step of obedience that a believer takes. And the first step, if that first step isn't taken, it's going to be very difficult to walk in obedience to God's will as a Christian. Do I need to use one of the other mics? 
So question this morning, what is baptism and why is it so important? Let's get into the meat of this topic. Baptism gets its meaning and its importance from the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for our sins and from His resurrection from the dead. We've just come out of the Easter week and so we know the significance of what that represents. And so church, when we talk about baptism, we're not talking about some religious ritual or some church tradition. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about His death and we're talking about His resurrection and how He has appointed the practice of baptism to represent how His people spiritually pass from death to life. So this is not some small thing we're speaking about today. This is big. This is massive. Baptism is what you call an ordinance. It sounds like a bit of a churchy word, but it's an ordinance of the Lord by which those who have repented and come to faith express their union with Christ in His death and resurrection by being immersed into water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, what you're doing is you are inviting the Trinity to come and witness what you're doing, along with all the witnesses like we have today. It's a big thing. Baptism is also a sign of belonging to the family of God, the true Israel. And it's an emblem of burial and cleansing, signifying death to the old life of unbelief and purification from the pollution of sin. The word baptism is the Greek word baptizo, and is used over 70 times in the New Testament. And it means to dip completely. It means to submerge or immerse. It was the, the theologian of old, John Calvin, that said, the word baptize means to immerse fully. He said, it is certain that immersion was the practice of the early church. And in fact, baptizo, the word baptizo is never used in its passive form. What I mean by that is never in the Bible is it said that water is baptized onto someone, such as a sprinkling or a dabbing on the head or poured onto someone. People are always baptized into water. Which leads me to say that if you've been baptized as an infant or when you were younger with a few sprinkles on your head, that's not real baptism. The New Testament, modi, uh, excuse me, the New Testament model is full immersion. Let me give you some examples from Scripture. In Mark chapter 1, it says that John the Baptist came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. He wasn't sprinkling water on them. He was submerging them into the Jordan River. In John chapter 3, we read this again. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, which is another part of the Jordan River, because there was much water there. And they came and they were baptized. In the book of Acts chapter 8, there is a story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And as Philip shares with him and explains the book of Isaiah and the gospel message, this is what the eunuch said to him. He said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Very important. If you want to be baptized, you first need to believe in the Savior of this world. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, which is a picture of that they were first submerged. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. I think we're going to have some people rejoicing when they come out of the waters of baptism this morning. So church, the New Testament pattern of baptism is always full immersion and then coming up out of the water. And remember, this is important. This is significant. Because we are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life as we come up out of the water. There's an interesting passage in, in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's speaking about bringing fire. He's speaking about bringing division and he says this statement. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. That's an interesting choice of words. I mean, why not say I have a death or a crucifixion to undergo and the cup of wrath is just too much for me to bear. Well, church, because Jesus viewed his death on the cross as a dying and a resurrection of which baptism is the perfect picture. Baptism illustrates what Jesus did. And when you and I are baptized, what happens is we are showing symbolically what happened to Jesus. And more importantly, when you're baptized, you're identifying with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We are buried with Christ through baptism, and we are raised again to a newness of life. What a privilege. And church, the principle that we find in the book of Romans is that at salvation, we are no longer united with Adam. We are no longer united with our sinful nature. Romans chapter 5 speaks all about that. Romans 6 says that we are united at salvation with Christ. We are now in Him. It's as if what happened to him happened to us. Because remember, just like when Adam sinned in the garden, his sinful nature was passed unto us. When Adam sinned, we sinned. That's why scripture says all have sinned but Jesus. But the second Adam, who is Jesus, was without sin. And therefore, when we put our faith in him, whatever happened to him happened to us. Isn't that incredible? When he died, it's like we died. When he was resurrected, it's like we were resurrected. And because Jesus is righteous and holy, we are righteous and holy. Baptism is a picture of that. You also find that in Colossians chapter 2, where it says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life. Now, church, what we must be careful not to conclude from Romans chapter 6 and Colossians 2 is that water baptism is the instrument or the means by which we are saved and united to Christ. Scripture is very clear. We are justified by faith alone. 
But can I tell you this morning, we show this faith and we symbolize this faith in the act of baptism. If I could give you an analogy, it's like getting married. By putting on this ring, it doesn't mean that you're now married. The vows unite the marriage. But the ring symbolizes the new covenant. So it is with faith and with baptism. Faith unites us to Christ and baptism symbolizes the covenant. You could also say that the relationship of baptism to salvation is similar to the relationship of obedience to salvation. Because if you're saved, you'll obey Christ, right? Can I get an amen? If you're saved, there will be fruit from your life that reflects your relationship with Jesus. James puts it this way. Faith without works is, is dead. If a man says, I have faith, but I don't have works, James says, can such a faith save him? And the answer is no. Because you see, there's a faith that doesn't save. But a living, vibrant faith that, that saves is one that is reflected in us living out the will of God. In us bearing the fruit of righteousness. Church, in us, not with perfection, but with the art of dedication that says, Lord, I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. Amen? I want to do what pleases you. And if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. And baptism, church, is the first thing that Jesus asks us to do. So when you're baptized, you're saved. It's a part of obedience. And look, this may sound a bit harsh this morning, but if you're not willing to be baptized, then you have to face the fact that you are disobeying Jesus at the most basic element of salvation. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not willing to be baptized, and you say you're never going to be baptized, even at some point in your life, even once you've received all the information and you know how important it is, and you still say, I'm not going to, I don't care what anybody says, I'm not going to be baptized, then at that point, you have to wonder if you're saved. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I ask? Yes, we are saved by grace through faith alone. Baptism doesn't save you, but it does demonstrate your willingness to obey Christ. And that's why I believe that the early church, in the early church, people were baptized immediately. Because a delayed obedience often results in rebellion and a drifting away from the truth. And church, let me tell you this morning, at any point, you and I knowingly are not obeying Jesus, and especially at a basic level like baptism. What happens over time is that there is a diminished experience of God's working in our lives. And the enemy loves that. What often happens, church, is people say, well, you know what, I'm not ready, I'm not sure if I'm ready to get baptized. I'm going to have to think about it, or I need some more information. Do you realize that in the, the New Testament, there's nothing about having a baptism class? Peter and John is going to teach it. You're going to love it, and you're going to get baptized. There's nothing of that. Baptism is not about your personal understanding or your personal experience. Even though there will be a personal experience, which we'll see today, which we'll witness. But church, it's about your personal obedience. That's why you will see in the Bible that as soon as people are saved, 
As soon as they come to Christ, they are baptized. Salvation is synonymous with baptism. Let me give you a couple of examples of how the early church leaders led in this way. In the book of Acts, when Peter is preaching that, preaching that first sermon on the day of Pentecost, and when he's finished with his message, it says that they were cut to the heart, right? We know the scripture. And they said to him, what must we do to be saved? And Peter replied and said, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 believed and 3,000 were baptized. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching at a, a Roman centurion's house. The gospel has now come to the Gentiles. Up to this point, the Jewish believers weren't sure that the Gentiles could be saved or would be saved. But now they're watching them be saved as the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. When they see them having received the Spirit because they are now speaking in tongues, it says that he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He saw that they were saved and he says, now I command that they be baptized. It's a command from God. And Peter's simply saying, this is something that God commanded, so I'm commanding you to do it. My last example in Acts chapter 16, and maybe this is the most compelling story in the book of Acts for immediate obedience, is when Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. They're beaten, their legs are in chains, and, and what do they end up doing? They start worshiping. They start praising God. The Bible says all the other prisoners were listening, and at midnight there's an earthquake, the chains fall off, the prison doors fly open, and the jailer is about to fall onto his own sword because he thinks that all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul says, no. He says, we're all here. The jailer brings him out and he asks, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone else in your household. And even at that hour of the night, everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They believed and they were baptized. And you think about it, church, you know, in the middle of the night, I mean, Paul could have said, you know what, my back is sore from the beating that you guys gave me. So give me a few days, give me a few weeks until it heals, then I'll come back and baptize you. No, they were immediately baptized. If you're baptized, if you're saved, you are baptized. Let me sum it up this way for you. Scripture commands every believer to be baptized. That's a given. And church, when you obey God and you say, God, if you commanded it, I'm going to do it. That is profoundly powerful in what it does to your life. Because you see, when you make that choice to obey God, even in the smallest of things, when you get to that point and say, Lord, I'm all in, something starts to happen. When you and I are obedient to the Lord and we say, God, if your word says that I'm going to do it, God delights in that. He delights in that type of behavior. And he responds to that in our life in a powerful and significant way. It says in the book of Chronicles or 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 
that the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the earth, seeking to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to Him. And when you get baptized, you're saying, God, I'm all in. I'm fully committed to following you. And when you do that, church, God says, I'm going to set my hand on you in a whole new way. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you, and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to take you from one degree of glory to another. And you know, church, when all is said and done, there has to come a point in our Christian journey where we overcome the embarrassment of things like being baptized in front of people and we come out of the water and we all messed up, right? Or because of we put it off for so long or because of a pride issue. There has to come a time where we overcome the awkwardness of raising our hands in front of people or praising God with everything that we have, not having to worry about what other people are saying, right? There has to come a time where we aim to please God above man. And I look at it this way. If our Savior Jesus Christ was mocked and ridiculed in ways that we will never comprehend or ever be able to withstand, if He was beaten, if He was tortured, if He was murdered in cold blood for my sins and, and for my shame and for my every affliction, if He took the cup of wrath that I was supposed to take, how can I be concerned about how I'm going to look in front of people for a few moments of my life. Because the truth is most of those people won't even give it a second thought. But even if they do, even if they mock me, even if they ridicule me, even if they put a derogatory post on my Facebook page, am I going to withhold my best for, for God? I don't ever want to be in a position where I deny God before people. Because Jesus is very clear in His word if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And that's why I say, when you get baptized, do it in front of the church. right? Do it in front of witnesses. Don't be embarrassed about it. Don't do it in your backyard because you want a private experience. Only do it in your own pool, right? if that's your last option, and invite as many people as you can. Because church, it's okay to humble yourself and to even look foolish before your Savior. I want to say to you this morning, if you've not been baptized, I want to encourage you to be baptized today and start the journey of walking in humility and obedience to the Lord and just watch how God honors that in your life. As I close this morning and as everyone starts to prepare themselves for the baptism, I want to invite those this morning that have heard them this message today, and perhaps you haven't heard about this Jesus that I've been speaking about. Or perhaps you have heard, but you've, you've never said yes before. But you know that something's happening in your heart this morning. He's, he's knocking on the door of your heart, and He wants you to invite Him in. I want to encourage you today to obey the calling of your heart and invite the Savior of the world into your life. If that's you, if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hands right now. If you know today is the day that you want to commit your life to Him, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there anyone else this morning?
The word of God says, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to ask you this morning, if you've raised your hand, would you, would you please stand with me and repeat this prayer after me? If everyone could just close their eyes and, and bow their heads for a moment. And let's just honor what God is doing. This is a very, very special moment. Repeat after me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sins. And now I am willing to turn from my sin. Right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord. And I believe with my whole heart that God raised him from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to his word, right now, I am saved. From today, I declare that my life belongs to you. I am now your child, and I am privileged to call you Father. I open my heart to, to receive your love and all that you have for me. I receive the Holy Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, and to teach me all the days of my life. I am a new creation. I am free. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, let's just celebrate with heaven as we welcome this person into the kingdom of God. What a special moment.